just about 15 years ago, on a drab and dreary October night, there was a terrible tragedy on stage at the Royale Social Club. It happened during the fall ball, which was not too long before Halloween, and it was always the biggest drag show of the year. That's not saying much, because this was not a large, nor a progressive, nor a cosmopolitan town. The Royale was the only bastion and oasis of tolerance, the only place where anyone and everyone could feel free to be themselves. The fall ball was always a spectacle, but never so much as this particular year, when the final performer was a queen named Rose Darling. Rose had been working all year on a showstopper, a routine featuring her as Carrie White. And everything was going picture perfect until the big moment where Rose yanked the cord and dumped the bucket of pig's blood all over her pretty white gown. Rose refused to use real pig's blood. Ew. Instead, she bought cheap, fake stage blood from some company she'd never heard of. The stage blood was so cheap because it was highly flammable and illegal to be sold anywhere in the world. The blood spatter hit some power cables, which sparked, and suddenly Rose Darling was engulfed in fire. No amount of sashaying would quench the flames, and she died in the middle of the dance floor, which was left permanently scorched and warped. Soon after, the club was closed. The Royale was no more. All that changed in 2021, when the old place was bought and renovated by a very special someone with a very special purpose. Her name was Midnight Pearl. Lady Miss Midnight Pearl. And she wanted to build something bold and new on the bones of the old. A new club. A new royale and a new Halloween drag show that would be unlike anything this town had ever seen. She was right. Although the Royale had been sitting empty for many years, there were always stories swirling around it. A so-called phantom of the club that haunted the shadows. On Halloween night, when the veil between the living and the dead is at its thinnest, old secrets would come to light at the fall ball. Is the phantom of the club real? Does the spirit of Rose Darling want revenge against the living? Or is it a killer queen? Drinking whiskey in the kitchen and telling scary stories around the fire. Music, monsters, and mayhem. Killers, cannibals, and cults. Fearful fiction and furious fact. Tall tales and terrifying truths. This is 
a scary home companion. Don't touch me, tip me. No tea, no shade. You won't hear me mumble. I can sissy that walk or earrings off. I can rough and tremble, stroke from rope to broke. I make those straight boys choke on my Okay. Okay. Are we done talking now? We're done talking. Yes, we are. And cut the music. The people need to hear the pearls of wisdom dropping from these plump, perfect lips. Welcome, one and all, to the first ever Royale Social Club Halloween Ball and Drag Extravaganza. I am your host, the new owner of this humble establishment, the Lady Miss Midnight Pearl. And it is your distinct honor and privilege to watch me judge these queens tonight. Your response might even sway my vote. So cheer your asses off for your favorite. The winner will be crowned Halloween Queen and will help me judge next year's pageant. Tonight, we have seven deadly sins, seven sultry sirens who are going to suck your soul shock your senses, and send you home with the Halloween spirit in your filthy little hearts. But before we start the festivities, and before anyone thinks about getting too wild, I want you to look around the room and see these magnificent security guards on skates. Those are the pink ladies, reigning local roller derby champions. And the head of security, you know the one I mean, is Team Captain Molly Fierce. They call her Hands of Stone. Don't find out why. We don't have a lot of lines here at the Royale, but if you cross one of them, they will put your ass to sleep quick, fast, and in a hurry. (laughs) Here's the rules. So listen up, it won't take long. No means no. And yes (laughs) means yes. Drinks ain't free. Tip your beefcake. Stay off the stage and don't sit in my grandmama chair. She pointed to the second level balcony, where the corner edge of stage right was cordoned off with velvet ropes, giving just enough space for an old wooden rocking chair. My grandmama gave her family everything, gave me everything, and didn't have anything. When she passed, I took her chair. She raised generations in that chair. I brought it here for one reason. Respect for the queen that put this place on the map. Y'all heard about the old days, the fire? You heard about Rose Darling and the Phantom of the Club? Speaking of the dead, if you're here tonight, that's your chair now. No one's fit to sit in that chair but you. And any of you ghouls and goblins out there, my pink ladies will show you right the fuck out. And speaking of ghouls and goblins, huh? Look at this tramp here. Yeah, I see you. And ghoul, I know what you've been gobbling. Fix that lip liner, okay? <laughs> you know I'm playing. Yeah, stop. Stop, girl. Get at me after this. It's time for our first performer, 
Barbara says the Q used to stand for questioning, then for queer. But now it stands for quintessential because she is the quintessential queen. No question about it. Straight from Texas and smothered with Southern style, here is the leather face of your dreams, Barbara Barbara Q carried a chainsaw and wore a bright yellow butcher's apron over a ball gown that appeared to be made of muddy, bloody rags and swatches stolen from the clothing of her cannibalized victims. The music crept in slowly behind her, gradually like a techno remix of Bolero. She put down the saw. She started to dance, and then to strip. Under the muddy, bloody rags were silky, French-cut lingerie, and the leather-faced tribute act quickly segged into a full burlesque performance until the fearsome cannibal was down to her panties, pasties, and mask made of human skin. Barbara went to pull it off, but it would not budge. She panicked, looking to the crowd for help as she pulled ever harder on the edges of the mask. She let out a shriek and ran from the stage, and the whole club erupted into applause and cheers. They thought Barbara Q had given them a surprising and thought-provoking ending to her sexy routine. This was not the case at all. That mask really wouldn't come off. She ran to the dressing room, but it was full. So she went under the yellow tape at the end of the hall and into the dressing room they were asked not to use, which was really just a tiny bathroom with a sink, a mirror, and a changing station where a toilet should have been. Watching herself in the mirror, Barbara gently peeled up the neck edge of her mask. She saw it tugging at her skin. It was bonded to her with some kind of powerful adhesive. What she needed was some kind of solvent. If this was a prank, there would be hell to pay. She pulled open the door, where the phantom was waiting for her. Barbara gasped, and then a hammer came down across the top of her head, breaking her skull and jostling her brain. The phantom pushed her inside, turned her to face the mirror. The phantom locked the door and grabbed two handfuls of the mask right at the edge at the bottom of the neck. The phantom caught her eye in the mirror and blew Barbara a kiss before yanking the mask off and most of Barbara's face with it. No one heard Barbara's death scream. Because on stage, right then, 
That bitch, Emma Stitch, had burst out of her Mr. Oogie Boogie costume and revealed her final form like a glorious phoenix. Then she started to shower the dance floor with candy, and everyone went nuts. One of the few frat boys in the crowd tried to get up on stage so that his pals could take pictures. Emma swiveled her heavy hips and thumped him backwards, where two of the pink ladies skated up out of nowhere to grab him and drag him out the front door. The jubilant crowd parted like the pink sea, making a clear path. Emma Stitch silently seethed at the spotlight being taken away from her. So she gave it a beat, and then a second. She waited for the doors to close, and then she unleashed another round of Halloween candy. Bribery will get you everywhere, honey. Hey, I checked that candy before you pop it in your mouth. You don't know where it's been. That bitch hardly got a damn thing on. Where's it coming from? Are those full-size Snickers? Ooh, knowing you is king-size. <laughs> One more time for the ravishing Emma Stitch. We better hope our next queen doesn't throw treats to everyone, because those candy apples would have razors in them. <laughs> All you pretty people better take a step back from the stage. You don't want to get too close to our own homegrown razor mouth, better known as Donna LaDead. She's made the ugliest monster in the world into the sexiest. All hail Queen Razor Mouth! Since Razormouth has no genitalia, it requires a queen with exceptional tucking skills to pull off the character. Donna Ledead was at the top of her tucking class at Drag U, and her presentation was as smooth and sleek as a bare-naked Barbie. Or Ken. The rest of her was a dizzying and complex set of scars, rendered in airbrush body paint with such authenticity that most of the onlookers didn't even realize that Donna was basically naked. Her main accessories were the flesh-colored leather gloves tipped with realistic bone claws and needle points. Donna was feral for most of her act and whipped the crowd into a frenzy some of them even threw candy at her. She hissed and snarled. She snapped at Lady Miss Midnight Pearl. And then she scampered backstage, where she went right for the bathroom. The door was unlocked, so she thought it was clear. Then she saw that that bitch, Emma Stitch, was in the stall, down on her knees, leaning over the toilet, again. Donna said, I told you not to eat so much candy before you went out. Those lights, that heat, it'll do it to you every time. Emma? Emma? Sweetie, are you all right? Come on, let Donna help you. She entered the stall and was repulsed and horrified by what she saw there. 
Emma was not crouched down vomiting. She was stone cold dead. With a toilet full of her own entrails beneath her gaping maw, the last few strands of gut and sinew still dangling from between her pouty lips. Emma's corset had been cinched so tight that it crushed her ribs and pushed out her organs like rolling up a tube of toothpaste. Donna turned to run for help, but ran right into the phantom instead, who grabbed Donna by the wrists. She tried to scream, but the phantom yanked her arms, pushing them up, jamming those realistic bone claws deep into her throat. Her call for help was washed away in a torrent of hot red. The phantom went back to the dance floor to catch the next act. Do you like pop? Maybe you like me. Or do you like whatever's on your plate? <laughs> me too, my children. Oh, Lord, me too. Well, our next queen's going to give you what you want. A little meat, a little pie, and a whole lot of Sweeney Todd. Straight from the slums of Paris, North Dakota. Here is Parlez-vous, Francine. Midnight Pearl looked out over her crowd. She felt the love. This night was everything she wanted it to be. Of course, she hadn't been backstage in a while, and she didn't notice the phantom drifting across the dance floor. But there was something that did catch her eye. Even though she was entranced by the gyrations and gymnastics of the queen on stage, for a moment, Pearl thought she saw a shadow sitting in her grandmama's rocking chair. When she squinted to look closer, it was empty. But was it rocking just a little bit? Pearl had felt she wasn't alone in this place since she first bought it. The renovation workers felt the same way and voiced concerns there might be a squatter living behind the walls. But there was most certainly a presence here, and she could feel it right now. She managed to get her act back together by the time Francine left stage. Damn, girl, you make me want to parlez-vous a little Francine myself and save me one of the meat pies. Our next queen holds a special place in my heart. Guess who's coming to dinner? She's a local icon with a fluff for the dramatic, second only to my own. Let's hear some love for Cindy Portier. What? What? Oh, I should have guessed. Cindy's still sitting under that hairdryer. She takes every... Oh, one day her head's gonna wriggle up like a raisin in the sun. Well, that bitch just got bumped to dead ass last. In the meantime, let's double your pleasure and double your fun, and we hope we don't get an elevator full of blood all over my nice new stage. The Wagstaff Twins, Mandy and Candy, coming straight from the Overlook Hotel. You know what I'm saying. You ever think these creepy twins from The Shining was glam? You will not. 
When Polly Vu Francine went backstage, she saw Cindy Poitier beneath the sit-under hairdryer. She thought nothing of it at first, but then she noticed the smell of cooking meat. That hairdryer had short-circuited and roasted Cindy's brain inside her skull like a pressure cooker. Tender chunks of tissue leaked from her ears and her eyes. Francine shouted out to Pearl, who didn't hear her quite correctly and just moved on to the next act. Of course, Francine was going to run out on stage to ask for help, but she didn't get the chance. The phantom grabbed her from behind and shoved her face into the last remaining meat pie. It took about 90 seconds for the queen to drown and her lungs to fill with mincemeat and diced onions. Then the phantom picked up Barbara Q's chainsaw and revved it up. The people on the dance floor were too raucous for anyone to notice the noise. The Wagstaff twins were absolutely slaying as the Grady twins, and this spooky Halloween crowd was eating it up. When the Phantom stepped on stage with the chainsaw, everyone thought it was part of the act. Even the twins weren't quite sure. This person was draped in layer upon layer of silky, sheer black cloth, ripped and torn around the edges. The shape beneath was unknowable, but human and angry. The phantom lunged at Candy Wagstaff with the saw, but she ducked it with surprising agility. Even more surprising was how Mandy Wagstaff kicked the back of the phantom's head with a roundhouse spin kick. At the same time, Candy swept the leg. The chainsaw tumbled to the dance floor, and so did the phantom. What very few people were aware of was that the Wagstaff twins had been training at the local gay MMA gym, called, of course, MM Gay, for several years. And even in heels and bustiers, they were a fearsome duo. The crowd backed away as the shadowy figure got to its feet and lunged for the chainsaw. Two pink ladies came swooping in, crouched low on their skates, aiming for shoulder tackles from opposite directions. The phantom got to the saw in time. Lifting it up with both hands in a mighty swing and lopping off both pink lady heads at the same time. The severed heads rolled in opposite directions, and so did the bodies, still somehow perfectly balanced, even while decapitated. Maintaining perfect stance through muscle memory until they ran into shocked onlookers and collapsed. Now, the Royale panicked. Pandemonium! 
Molly Fierce, the head of security, came running in on stockinged feet, having stripped away her skates. They called her Hands of Stone, and she showed everybody why when the Phantom swung that blade at her. Molly went under it and hit the side of the chainsaw with a right hook, hard enough to knock it from his hands. Her left cross caught the Phantom right on the chin. Then she grabbed two handfuls of those layers of cloth and stripped them away. Underneath was a man with smeared ash and black makeup on his face, neck, and hands. Enough to blend in with the black cloth. It was the orphan son of Rose Darling. And now he was waving a small handheld blowtorch, a needle of blue flame menacing the crowd to stay back. You took him from me. This place, this life, you people, you took him from me. I came here two years ago because I heard the stories. I lived here to be closer to his spirit. And I felt it. I felt that spirit. You feel it too, don't you? And then you, you moved in and you fucked it all up. But after tonight, after everyone sees what I did, this place will be haunted and empty and condemned forever. My dad won't be alone anymore. First of all, that is your father. You give her the respect of using her preferred pronouns, okay? And second of all, drag isn't about... You know what? You don't deserve the speech. Let me take off these earrings and I'll jump down there and whoop your little ass myself. Come on, girls. Pearl kicked off her shoes, threw down her jewelry, and jumped to the dance floor. She was backed by the Wagstaff twins and the remaining pink ladies. But this was her club, and Pearl was dead set on getting the first piece herself. The Phantom backed up and jumped up on the stage. From within his long, silky robes that still remained, he pulled out several tiny containers from his waistband. They looked like glass beakers, all of them filled with a sinister red liquid. The very same highly flammable fake blood that had killed Rose Darling. He started smashing them on the ground, near the cables and the circuit breakers, and then used the blowtorch to start a series of small fires, mostly along the front of the stage, which prevented anyone from laying their hands on him. Although some members of the audience were wise enough to slip away and leave the Royale, the vast majority were transfixed by what they were seeing. Was this... Still part of the show? Pearl had promised them some shit they ain't never seen before, and this 
was most certainly some shit that they ain't never seen before. But those dead bodies seemed very real. They were still twitching on the floor, wheels tapping against the parquet. Panic was spreading, fueled by the heat and the smoke of a dozen wicked little fires. Through the haze, Pearl saw a shadow move. A woman stood up from the rocking chair. A woman draped in gossamer white, the color of whispers. And it wasn't just Pearl. Others saw her. Everyone saw her. There was a collective gasp, and all the recording phones suddenly angled upward to capture a glimpse of what could only be a ghost. It drifted through the smoke, hovering over the stage, ethereal gown spreading out like an angelic background. Rose Darling. The stories were true. She was still here. With a gesture of her hands, Rose lifted her son up off the stage. And then she pressed her hands together and the phantom began to squeal. She threw her arms wide apart and her only child exploded in midair, bursting like a water balloon filled with chunky fruit punch, splattering everyone across the room. All those wicked little fires were doused in the spray of blood and gore, as was every single person in the crowd. Once upon a time, Rose Darling had tried to recreate Carrie White, and now she had done so on a much bigger scale. Like Sissy Spacek, Everyone in the Royale Social Club was drenched with blood. Pearl thanked Rose and told her that every year the extravaganza would be held in her name and her honor. With that, the ghost returned to the rocking chair and slowly faded away. Just as the fire alarms shut off, the side exit flew open, and a half-dozen muscly, hunky firemen ran onto the dance floor, seeming almost like an omen. One of them had a hose dangling from beneath his arm. He asked, Where's the fire? The fire? It's right here, baby. Damn, girl! Honey, don't touch me. Tip me. No tea, no shade. You won't hear me mumble. I can see that walk or earrings off. I can rough and tremble, stroke from woke to broke. I make those straight boys choke. On my effervescent vibe, your treasure has arrived. You can shuck my oyster and see a little glimmer. Smooth, so rare, darling, let it all swim. But nine to five, like Dolly Parton. But I got a garage, you can park your car. She might not be a physicist, but you know I am the real bitch live. Can I touch your hair? These things just this bitch. 
your soul In these crusted, busted holes Stealing from my candy bowl Try not to get too sweaty When I work the pole You need a soft pass for my ass So you pay the toll Got chicken cutlets in my bag If your titties get loose Grab a switchblade while you're there Now let's go Dr. Seuss Three days of hands I know you fancy this plan Put your pearl back in control today Thank you for listening to this special Halloween extravaganza on a scary home companion. You can find the show on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Or contact us directly at a scary home companion at gmail.com. The episode was edited and produced by Jeff Davidson and featured the vocal talents of Alex Kreider Evans as Midnight Pearl. The stunning array of music includes Disco High by Ultra Cat, Poker Face by City Rain, Hard Love by Beat Mechanic, Dancing Twins by Piano Chocolate, Party Tonight by Lobo Loco, and Midnight Pearl by Chelsea Oxendine. A song that is sure to be a hit, banging in clubs across the land throughout spooky season. If you'd like to download a copy, go to the show Patreon page. There, you can find over two dozen exclusive bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes trivia, and analysis videos on the different stories. It's the best way to support this show, and the best way to keep independent horror alive and kicking. Or dancing, in this case. If you don't want to sign up for the Patreon... Still, check out the page. Anyone can pay a couple of bucks for a digital copy of this song. Membership not required.